0: hey guys this is crazy juicy love if you're ready to change your life your finances and your love life hiring a coach will dramatically give you results in any area that's important to you this is season two of crazy juicy love why hiring a coach will change your life Okay, guys, welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love podcast. I have a special guest. Her name is April King. Hi, April.
1: Hi, I'm <laughs> um, April Klingmeyer.
0: Klingmeyer, yes. How you doing? So Klingmeyer. Klingmeyer. Yeah. Okay, so I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. April Klingmeyer. Thank you for correcting me. Yes. <laughs> no problem. Oh, great. So um, interesting story, how we even met, you know, a friend of ours, a mutual friend, uh, Jennifer Butler, put us on a coach's um, Instagram chat. (laughs) So I was like, oh, this is an opportunity to meet other coaches and just to get to know what they're doing. And, you know, lo and behold, like, ironically, a lot of us are all aligned of what we're doing, which is, I find very fascinating. Um, Yes. Yes. And so April has a special uh, talent, so I'm going to ask her to introduce what she is creating in the world and what she does. So April, take it away.
1: (laughs) Hi, I'm April Klingmeyer. Um, I consider myself to be um, sort of a coach. Um, What I do is I call myself a creativist. Um, I use my own creativity to elevate my life. I'm a writer producer and artist in my own right, and I attract like um, in terms of my clientele, people who want to utilize their creative skills in various ways Mm. to elevate their own lives and achieve goals and um, establish a a better, stronger, more divine connection with their higher power, with the universe, or with God, um, whatever term you'd like to use.
0: Um, my slogan is creativity in spirituality. Hmm. Well, I love that. Like, tell me, how did you even get into? Well, one, calling yourself a creativist, and like, how did you even get into this this field that you knew that this is your calling to put this together and help people to achieve what you uh, to achieve with them.
1: Well, I am. Um, initiated some of my own uh my own i established a relationship with my own coach a little bit over a year ago mm. and um her name is melissa she's fantastic and she introduced me to a connective tool um really deep connections in, internally as well as with um your divine power Mm. Um, it's called Creative Alchemy, mm. and it is an intuitive painting process that is um, forged with the powers of guided meditation. And it is a process that was developed about twelve years ago by Melissa herself. Um, she's a trained psychotherapist and um, spiritual guide herself, and. This tool was so powerful and so rapid in making the healing process just so accessible to me that um, I was able to achieve such so much in such a short period of time. It's rather astounding. It was like it had all been building up and being exposed to such a unique and powerful tool allowed me to kind of explode with my own creative endeavors. and. And I achieved a lot of success, and um, that was last year, Melissa asked me if I wanted to get certified in the uh, in the Creative Alchemy process, I said, absolutely, um, a few months later I started taking my own clients while also being guided by Melissa, I finished um, my, and completed my certification in February, so that's been really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, my clients are very, very uh, attracted to the wild and expressive forms that Creative Alchemy can take and uh, it's a very playful and fun process um, and that's what's uh, what led me here today. I really just am trying to spread that notion and also kind of put my own uh, flavor into it as somebody who is a practitioner and facilitator of Creative Alchemy. I've got my own style. And I apply it in very different ways from my other, you know, facilitators that use the tool, as well as my own coach, more and stuff. So it's been kind of a fun journey, and it's uh, led me to some pretty far-flung places, mm, yeah. <laughs> to say the very least. <laughs> I,
0: I know, because April just moved to Ireland.
1: <laughs> That's right, yeah, one she's week ago. Call-
0: yeah, so we're having this conversation with April from Ireland, Yes. So Hi. talk to me about uh, the creative alchemy and like, what is the process? Well, first of all, like what made you sought out a coach? Because, you know, you know, coaching is becoming this up and coming thing that people are now having coaches come into businesses and people aren't mm-hmm. in this sort of space of like, oh, a coach, especially a coach for, you know, what I do is I, you know, I'm a calling i the one coach and a loving relationship. So, you know, mm-hmm. It's an important, I think a coach is so important um, in life and in any single area. So I'm just curious about you. Like, what made you start out having a coach? Like, where were you, what point, where were you in your life that you were like, okay, I, I need a little help or a little guidance. Like, what made you, what was going on in your life that made you start out having, um, hiring a coach?
1: Well, really, um, the journey with Melissa was kind of came at me from a a variety of different angles. Um, I'm friends with another really powerful coach Mm -hmm. by the name of Heidi Carter. She does um, money coaching and. More specifically, your relationship with money. I think you really enjoy speaking with her, by the way, because there's a lot of correlation between love and romantic relationships. I know. And relationship with
0: money. I would love to.
1: Um, yeah, it's it, yeah. I've learned a lot from Heidi, and she's since she's a personal friend. So I don't engage her professionally, but that's not to say that I haven't benefited tremendously from
2: mm-hmm.
1: her workshops, her tools, and um, the groups that she puts together. Sometimes she lets me and Gratis just kind of observe and um, benefit personally because she's a sweetie pie, and mm-hmm. I adore her. And. um I started, you know, really getting a lot out of that, and I knew that getting a coach was something that I wanted to do. But I didn't think I was ready until it was Melissa herself, who is a tremendous networker. Um, if I'm looking at it as a, you know, if I'm looking at it from that perspective, like as somebody who now is getting my own clients. Networking is a big part of what I do, and I saw that in Melissa as well. And She was really great about getting her, her message out, her face into the world, getting her videos in my, in my feed because a lot of the people that I knew were friends with her and following her um, in social media. So I started seeing the live videos that they were watching pop up in my feed. Mm. I started watching her and what she had to say, and it just resonated so strongly with me just the idea that my own creativity is the thing that's going to set me free from the things that no longer serve me. Mm. And I really felt like so much about my creativity was a boat anchor that was keeping me from succeeding, well, really um, succeeding in other people's and achieving other people's goals that were set for me, if that makes any sense. Um. I really felt like my creativity kept distracting me or making me feel like um, I didn't belong because I was weird or different or an artist type or or what have you. Um, And I felt like other people that were setting goals for me like employers, bosses, coworkers, authority figures of all types, you know, they mm-hmm. would see me as this person who was a creative. Oh, she's a creative. You know, she doesn't fit the mold. Um, and I felt like that kind of made, it was more of a liability than it was, a, you know, such an asset. But having somebody like Melissa come into my life and come into my feed and come into my world, telling me that, my creativity is my answer to the life that I want to live for myself and making all my dreams come true um, it was a really welcome thing to hear and mm. I wanted to know what she meant and I wanted to know how she felt I could do that so I started talking to her and I made it she made it very clear to me I needed I needed to, to listen to what she had to say and I'm glad mm. I did because immediately, immediately my life started to ramp up very oh,
0: Wow. Um, yeah. And I really know what you're saying because I, you know, a lot of creatives feel stuck. And yeah. you know, they don't know where to focus. They have so many creative ideas. Right. And you know and it's really curious of like how the creative alchemy what the process is that allow the creator to really tap into something that has them go out and achieve and succeed in their life because i you know i have a friend of mine you know she is so creative i mean so talented but yet every single year she's in the same place over and over mm-hmm. and over again and you know she doesn't set any goals. She doesn't set right intentions. And you know, and I, you're
1: describing I, you're describing how I used to be. No, actually,
0: right? I identify with this person. Right. And I said, you both, I, yeah. I told her, I said, there's a fear that is stopping you that you haven't uncovered yet. Absolutely. And, I, and she stopped in my tracks. So and she's like, "What do you mean, fear?" I was like. Yeah, like there's something in your past that has happened that is allowing you to be in the same sort of vicious cycle over and over again. So I'm curious. Exactly. Right. So I'm curious, how does the creative alchemy, how do you take a person through this process to help them focus, help them channel, help them like get on a a path? So they can start succeeding because you know, I remember having a previous conversation with you, um, mm-hmm. how you are having an award winning business <laughs> and how you sort <laughs> of mindset and started to really channel this and change your mindset and really draw in the clients, draw in the money. Like, what is the how did you start using the creative alchemy to really to elevate your game in life?
1: Well, um, the process. I mean, you really nailed a lot of points already. Um, the process itself is the process of identifying exactly what you described, which is trauma mm. or limiting beliefs, and they come from they come from a source, and you have to identify where that came from, and you do yeah. have to identify sometimes how far back in the past did that get. Um, that, did that become a part of your programming? And create mm-hmm. the first, very first step of creative alchemy is not just sitting there thinking about when that could have been or where it could have happened. Um, it's actually getting into the sensation of your body mm-hmm. where. You know, what What emotions are you feeling and where do those emotions reside in your body? Mm. Identifying that, first of all, because it's something that's readily accessible to you with your five senses. Yeah. And if you establish yourself on a scale of one to ten, like, where am I emotionally? How strong is that emotion? And also, where does that emotion live in my body right now? Is it in my throat? Is it in my chest? Is it, my, is it in my abdomen? Is it giving me a tummy ache, a migraine? Is it making me feel like I'm going to vomit? Mm. These are things that we have to establish very first and foremost in the process from there. You ta- you're taken through a journey of guided meditation and coached meditation to identify exactly where those emotions are stemming from, what limiting belief is 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 kind of making that emotion get in the way for you. And the emotions that come up from that must be fully expressed.
2: Right.
1: And that's where the creative alchemy really starts to work its magic, that you have to get into the raw, creative expression. You have to get down to that very, very deep, very primal need to be fully expressed. And you do that through making art. And the way that Creative Alchemy works, that you just really don't put any boundaries between you and the piece of paper in front of you. You really just put paint onto that paper in whatever manner you need to be fully self-expressed. It's an extremely messy process emotionally and you know, with paint. <laughs> it gets paint everywhere. So it requires a certain kind of space. You have to have the kind of access to the kind of space and if you don't mind getting paint everywhere, it, it has to be a space where you can get paint on the ceiling. Yeah. And so that is it's a highly visual. to have a space that is covered in paint and I love being able to post back when I had a studio before the move. I love being able to post pictures of my studio and pictures of Melissa's studio with all the spattered paints everywhere because it just tells a story in one image of of people who are fully, people who have been there have come through there and have left fully expressed with something completely out of their way that had once been such a burden I really am so proud of myself for <laughs> taking on the certification process it was not easy mm. and I'm glad I'm doing it because with my clients I'm changing lives
0: every mm-hmm. day Wow! it
1: sounds so simple and it, and it feels like such a it feels like such a simple primal process when when you do it creative alchemy is really kind of goes back to something inside of you like the inner child And the primal side of you that you don't really let out play very often in your daily life. So um, I love that simplicity about it is that it just gets right to the core of who you are and where you came from.
0: Wow. Because it sounds so much like, you know, calling in the wine, but just different aspect of using what comes up and expressing it creatively. and. You know, I'm just curious, you know, to get your take on, like, you know, why is it so important to identify the feeling in the body? Like, what does that give your clients or people access to?
1: I think it's important when we're talking about our thoughts and our feelings to utilize the five senses as tools. To really identify what's really going on because trauma lives in the body Mm. trauma resides in our physical space by inhabiting parts and areas of our bodies and that is felt in pain as well as in physical pain as well as emotional pain and we have to be able to think of pain in a new way in order to release ourselves from what causes it mm. because pain is a gift pain is an indicator of an energy that no longer serves us and we have to, we have to use that pain as a as the bit of in our bodies as the, as the body feels the pain as a bit of a compass to indicate to us where it is we need to pull ourselves away from and um it's always there's a lot of patterns to observe and all that but i've found the patterns aren't really they're not really um easy to observe across different people so much as within one person like sometimes um you know there are people who tend to store sexual trauma in the way that they express themselves and the way that they talk. Um, It affects the way that they talk, the way that they're able to stand up for themselves, the way that they're able to hold conversations. And it comes up as sore throat. It comes up as, um, you know, cat got your tongue. It comes up as an inability to speak when um, you really feel like you should have said something mm. and I'm saying this because that's exactly what happened for me is that I've personally experienced sexual trauma as a young teen mm. and that's where I was storing it was in my throat. Um, if, you, if you're into chakras, which I definitely am, I was definitely storing that trauma in my neck with my throat chakra because any time something would come up with that trauma I would come down with strep throat or I would come down with barangitis and it it ended up being something that came up for me early on in training that I would just lose my voice a lot and when we would be able to identify the strengths of that sensation and get that paint out on the canvas I would be able to talk again Mm. It has a lot to do with keeping secrets. I was keeping them in my body, keeping them right there in my neck, in my throat. And it's different for everybody, but everybody has that opportunity and creative, creative alchemy to make those identifiers and to use your own body as a precious and very informative tool.
0: So, so I'm curious, um, you said you restored it in your throat. So, like. Before you did creative alchemy or when you, well, sorry, when you discovered it and when you were doing creative alchemy, um, what were the moments that what, like what would happen, what was going on in your life that was all of a sudden you had strep throat or all of a sudden you're, you you could not have any voice, like what were you dealing with? And then all of a sudden this physical thing manifested.
1: It, uh, you know, the answer is really quite simple. Boundary issues. Mm. It was about up? setting boundaries for myself and my personal space, with my time, with my energy, and to some extent romantically as well. Um, mm-hmm. I've not been single for a very long time. I've been in a happy and rel- monogamous relationship for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. But before that, whenever I would get very into somebody and enraptured with somebody, I'd almost always come down with a sore throat after days and days of spending probably way too much time with that person, or letting them stay too too many nights a week, or I'm staying over at their place too many nights a week, and I'm mm. just maybe getting too um, too intimate too soon, that sort of stuff. And and any time that I would get dumped or hurt. That's how that would manifest for me. I would always get a case of, I'd always get a sore throat, or at the very least, laryngitis. Wow. So I also self-medicated in a way that um, affected the throat. I smoked. I smoked for years. I finally quit 10 years ago, but I smoked and smoked and smoked, and of course that affects the throat. That's Mm. That's it. I mean the lungs as well, but I mean, talk about wanting to stifle trauma. I started smoking two years before I I experienced that trauma, so it didn't take long before I was self medicating some that part of my body and actually harming that very part of my body that was storing all of that energy.
0: Wow, that's so interesting. You say that, I, and I. And I, I before I started doing the calling, I think after I did the calling, the one I started realizing that anytime I get like a migraine headache, it means that I need to cut something out of my life. Um,
1: Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And I was like, like that, Exactly.
0: Like, and it happened when I first, my first boyfriend, um, I, the moment we were, I, the day we had an argument and that moment I had a splitting headache. And then when we broke up, it literally went away. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then I happened to get with someone else. And I was, or like a job that I had this job I hated. And I was getting these, every time I will go to a gig, I will have this headache. And I was just like, oh my Mm -hmm. God, I think that. I need to leave this place. And the moment I made the decision to leave, I stopped having headaches. And every time, and like every time I get that feeling, I'm like, oh, there's something that I've been staying in way too long and I'm way overdue and it's time for me to leave. And I have to leave it. Otherwise, the headaches, like the migraines, constantly come. So it's really great that you, you can identify these body sensations that are connected to something in life that we're resisting doing and it manifests Uh this way wow
1: yes and in in that way creative alchemy teaches people how to be self-healing and that's why i don't ever use the term healer because i'm not a professional healer i do a lot of healing of myself and to some extent my loved ones but when it comes to my clients, they do their own. Right. Through the creative alchemy process. They're able to identify very, very intricate patterns using their own bodies and their own five senses to heal themselves. Mm. And you and I are both huge Louise Hay fans. <laughs> correct? Right? Yeah. There's a lot to be said for her index of when things appear like, and you don't think you know, oh, gosh, like my knee aches or something, you know, right. that for example, my knee aches. Every time I try to walk longer than about, a, you know, a few yards, my knee starts to ache. Well, you look it up in Louis, Louis Hay's index, and it'll give you some indicator of what that could mean. I actually don't know off the top of my head what that would mean for the knee, but I'm sure we could look it up or the listeners could look it up. But <laughs> Louis <laughs> yeah. Hay has an index. Yeah. And I use that actually all the time. Uh, if people need something to kind of like help them jog the memory or help them figure out what it is, it seems to be like a mystery ailment specifically. Right. It's a really good index to start from. But most I, of the I time, you the about yeah. me I
0: the have planet. the book like that so, nah, too close near me. <laughs> but I do re- recall yes. some two specific things that I remember reading and um, you can hear your life. And Mm -hmm. um, I know one specifically um, is with money when Mm. it's related to your back. So when you have back problems, it's relating to like you need to start really um, getting your life in order around money. Mm -hmm. These back problems. Wow. Wow. I discovered too because um, Louise had cancer and it was she had cancer and I and I believe the, the, the source of cancer is it was in her stomach. It's like withholding information, like you're withholding and or like resentment mm. or stuff like that. And my mm-hmm. uncles, two of my uncles died of the a same exact cancer and the same exact wow. location and when I read that in her book I was like holy shit like they both they both never resisted going to the doctor they both never really um talked about anything personally they both never revealed anything (sighs) they both like they both were like the exact same thing so even mm-hmm. carolyn mays talk about that till she breaks down the chakras in the body and stuff like that and how these diseases are connected to some especially specifically the cancer in men are um related to men not expressing themselves, not saying what needs to be said. Men don't cry. So they suppress, so they suppress, and they hold, and they hold. And now it's stored in the body, like what you're saying. And it then it manifests in this disease. And so, you know, but I'm right. right. And so I'm curious of like how does that begin when they so what they identify the feeling and the probably the meaning that they made with that feeling, how does the, the creative paint, like you guide them through the whole painting process or you just give them free reign yeah. so they can be fully self-expressed? How does that How, does it, work? how does it work for you?
1: Yeah, there's definitely some structure to it. You have moments that you allow them to kind of let them have free reign. Um, but really it comes down to just adhering to the process. And continuing with the paint until the feeling subsides, until the emotion subsides. Mm. There's a shift that occurs and you instruct, you know and I instruct my client, you know, like when you feel the shift, you'll feel it. You'll know when it's shifted. It's not a question. You feel self expressed, fully self expressed, or you don't. And then you move on to the next step. And I and I establish an indicator like when you are fully expressed through this part of the journey, make eye contact with me and we'll move on Mm. or something of that nature. Because sometimes it's not always easy to, um, like when I'm working with a group, for instance, I tell them to take two steps back when they're ready to move on to the next phase of the process. And, um, you know, usually it's a nonverbal indicator. Um, sometimes, it's pretty obvious, like, they're sobbing and they're crying, and, you know, you encourage them to let that out.
2: Mm.
1: And sometimes they scream, and sometimes they sing a song. And wow. you just have to kind of let them guide you, guide the guide. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's always different. Every time I do it, it's a completely different process every time. That's beauty creativity. But it is a process. It does have a prescribed beginning and end. Oh, wow. And in that process you begin with what it is that you uh what it is that is the limiting belief or the limiting sensation and you end with where you'd like that to transform how would you like that to change how would you like to feel instead of what you came in feeling how would you like to be this process feeling and if you're one step closer than that to that sensation that you desire or that notion that you you're one step closer to you know, no longer identifying with the limiting of belief that you arrived with, then the process is definitely then it served its purpose.
0: Oh wow. Well wow, that's awesome. So I know you say you're this is a six week process, correct?
1: Uh, yes, my my engagements with clients tend to be a minimum of six weeks. I offer a six week foundation course that really kind of gives everybody a uh, taste of all of the different tools that I offer. Creative Alchemy is the big one but there are other uh, there are other tools that I do offer such as uh, a soul's purpose exercise which a lot of people really love. Um, I make soul's purpose or prerequisite for any program that people enroll with me but six weeks is the minimum.
0: Mm. Um,
1: I also go, I mean I can take engagements up to one year. Um, one year is, is, a, is a bit of a commitment for anybody including me on taking on a client my ideal um, engagements are three to six months and uh, I'll work with somebody for a a month I know that sometimes people ask me that I I like to do that but in in those scenarios I typically like for them to work in a group or in pairs so that they have somebody to process with Mm -hmm. when they're not working with me and that kind of adds more more to more to the bravo if in such a short period of time. So, uh, for instance, if I'm working with a group of people who um, are already friends, or if I'm working with uh, a company and or a team at a company, I like to. I, I'm willing to take on an engagement of, of a month because they can kind of take. Mm-hmm. They can take on homework a little bit more easily when they uh, more easily when they have uh, when they have that kind of support.
0: Okay, wow. So, how do you work with someone who feels that they aren't creative, but they want to bring that out? You know, because a lot of people have this idea that, well, I'm not creative, I'm I'm an analyst or whatever it is, you know, but the truth is we're all born creators. <laughs> like, we're the source of everything is creativity, you know? So, how do you... How do you start to begin to work with somebody who just feels like they have no creative like bone in their body? How do you take them through the process?
1: Well, I got to give a shout out to Creative Mornings, which mm-hmm. is a um, gathering, a group of people who gather once a month to discuss a topic. And it's a group that gathers all over the world, cities, in all seven continents I believe. There may even be one in Antarctica at this point. Um, but it's a global uh, a global conversation that occurs um, through the Creative Mornings brand. And they have a pledge that they give at the beginning of every session. That So it begins, everyone is a creative. And I hadn't really thought about that until I started going to their events. But um, that is the first line of their pledge. And I thought, is that true? Because you're right. Lots of people don't identify as being creative. And I just (laughs) think that they haven't had an opportunity to explore that for whatever reason, be it they got pigeonholed uh, early on as an analytical thinker, or they had a parent that said that arts and music were a waste of time. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's really coming down to, that's really what it is, is a limiting belief. You and I know that. But I think a lot of people don't realize that telling yourself that you're not a creative person is a limiting belief and if they're right. coming to me because they think that I'm going to be able to bring out that creativity um, first of all they're right I will <laughs> 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 it's kind of one of my favorites is, uh, is allowing people to discover the creative side um, and second of all um, that's, that's that tool creative alchemy it really is um, it's really going to show them where those limiting beliefs are going to are coming from, and it's going to allow them to heal that. Because if it is something they were taught as kids, arts and music are a waste of time, more. that they're more of an analytical, brainiac, scientist, mathematician type, that they have that opportunity to overcome that limiting belief in the process. Creative alchemy art starts off, and this I'd say this generally because if you, I mean. And with as many clients as I've had at this point, it's not universal, but most of the time, including myself, the first few times you do creative alchemy, it just looks like slop. You know, it doesn't have any aesthetic value at all. Um, Over time, it can I mean, if you really make a daily practice of it and you do it for a very long period of time, it can start to have a little bit of an aesthetic, you know, beauty, but that's really not the point. the point is just, just to treat it like a cauldron. Melissa says that. I love that. Just treating it like a cauldron that you're stirring this stew, this stew of your own emotions and limiting beliefs and that you're waiting for something to reveal itself in the potion. And uh, create people who don't think of themselves as creative, they're getting their fingers with the paint and they're learning some things and, and from mixing it around with their fingers on a, piece of, on a giant piece of paper. They're going to start to think, wow, I've been wrong. Because if I'm able to do this, if I'm able to do this process and get something out of it and learn things about myself, then that is truly creative. Mm. And then they no longer believe that about themselves anymore.
0: Right. And I know you were saying before that it's important for them to do through their, their actual hands, not tools. But why is it important to use like to work out their past through their fingers by finger painting?
1: It goes back to that whole thing about, about what we store in our bodies. Having that having that multi sensory five senses at work for us, putting those senses to work and really feeling what it is we're putting on the page. Really truly mm. feeling it with our fin- from our fingertips down to the very base of our spine. And out, out into our fingertips and toes and everything else so it's a tactile um, it's a tactile way of, of dealing hands-on literally hands-on with our own emotions it's not an opportunity to people get outside of a situation like creative needs
2: wow. we don't
1: really get that chance to just splatter our feelings with with um, the with slap of a hand on a piece of paper. We don't get the experience of scratching paint with our fingernails and, and feeling that energy radiate through our arms and into our heart. It's it's um, it can be done with paint brushes in a pinch, but the release is so much more powerful and potent mm. if it's done with finger painting. Wow. I'm I speak from personal experience. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like like what are some like, you know, they don't hire a coach right away like what are some like tips or things that you know that people can start to begin to like just try to do at home like is there is is there some options to do things at home
1: great question um if people just uh really resist hiring me as a coach for whatever whatever situation that they find themselves to be in and it's and you and i know that that comes down to limiting beliefs too like i'm broke i can't afford it it's like well you did set this meeting up so you knew i was gonna ask for some money <laughs> i think they just kind of need to get over kind of what's going on for them to realize that they really want this and that they're willing to be good for a take and that's the whole journey of, of getting a, a new client it's every single client it's every single one mm. i i would love to someday get clients and it'll happen it'll happen probably soon where i'll start to give clients that are just um yeah whatever you're charging i'm gonna pay that because i need what you got and right. that's gonna mm-hmm. be a wonderful day but until then what i recommend if people uh, throw any kind of objections to working with me right away i say just make ugly art just make art that's ugly on purpose just let yourself make some ugly stuff on a piece of paper <clears throat> use pens <clears throat> use pencils Markers, paint. Just do that on do that on your own. Make it ugly on purpose, but just make sure that you're putting that emotional energy into it, and just see what kind of release that gives you. Hmm. Um, I've really only had a handful of people actively resist that notion. That tells me that they're, they're probably not going to enjoy creative alchemy in general hmm. if they're resisting doing that at home alone. Um, but most people love that ugly art challenge. They love it and they embrace it. I know that I've had clients... Yes, I mean, and I've had clients come back to me and just say, you know, ugly art has changed my life. Mm. And I'm like, where do you try creative alchemy? <laughs> I mean, you really know what's up, you know? Mm. But making ugly art, have, a lot of beauty could come from ugly art. I don't think people realize that what you... You know, what you're willing to put down on a a page with whatever artistic tools you have at your disposal can really reveal some things to you. It can really make some things come up. If anybody wants to give that a try on their own and they're not ready to hire me or hire another creative outcome practitioner, there's there's more than me, there's a lot of us out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they're just plain not ready to work with anyone, Um, but they want to try something at home just make some ugly art and, right. and you know what the ugly art challenge is to make ugly art every single day for a week
0: <laughs> okay at
1: least once a day and that will let you know that you're tapping into something and you might want to you might want to tap further and you might want to have more guidance and you might want to see what else could come up if you really had some expertise
0: lending a hand. Wow. Thank you for all of that. Um, We're coming towards the end. Um, So I just have some quick questions for you. And just tell me whatever comes up to your mind. So what does a life of love mean to you?
1: Oh, a life of love? Mm -hmm. (sighs) I really feel that a life of love is maintaining conscious presence with yourself, mm. really truly living in the now, living truly in the moment, but not just in the now, really embodying yourself, really being that conscious watcher from within, communing with God on a conscious level, or, you know, realizing your place in the universe, if if that terminology works a little more, uh, resonates a little bit better. Um, I really feel that a life of love has so much to do with what you radiate, and it's, um, if you're really doing that, if you're really just taking it moment by moment, and staying present, radiating that deep inner love for yourself and how how you are just sliced, a beautiful radiant slice of of all that is, that you'll get so much more back from whatever you're radiating radiating out to and whoever you're radiating radiating out to.
0: Mm. It's like being the example you want to see in the world
1: oh absolutely
0: yeah
1: it's um if we really want to find and achieve a perfect harmonious love with another person it's really important to start working on establishing that within ourselves as individuals um it can be done in tandem it's not ideal but it can be done. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it must be done. And if you look at it some ways, because any partner that you attract is certainly going to uh, it's certainly going to allow you to grow in some way, <laughs>
0: for
1: better or worse. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, the part like when you're in partnership with someone, um, <laughs> they're. They are your lessons in love, whether you want it or not. Um, Uh (laughs) And, you know, each, I mean, each person in our lives, whether it's a short period of time, a long period of time, family and friends, are all lessons for us to keep looking at the things that are stopping us from, like, really fully being open, expressed, and in love. You know, and I actually have a friend of mine who reached out to me earlier. He's going through a whole thing with his boyfriend and I'm like you know I need to actually have a phone conversation with you because I need to look at like how are you still saying yes to all this abuse
1: oh right
0: you know like I I see your boyfriend is doing what he's doing but you're the one who's Mm -hmm. still in a relationship you're still saying yes and you're still there Mm -hmm. so how is that a reflection of you you know and like right. that that really hit me hard when i started doing calling and Juan and like i was like whoa or even even when i'm dating now i'm looking at like oh like what is that saying about me like this person is being this way right now or how right am I, or how am i causing that and what do i, right. I work on you know and it really takes right. a lot of courage to really look at oneself and to really shift that about yourself and doing this kind of work, like, you know, creative alchemy and like really put it in all out on the page because there's, especially men don't give themselves permission to create or put it out there or express it that they hold it all in. and something like creative alchemy just gives them, if they don't want to talk, but give them the paper. The paper and the painting gives them voice. You know.
1: Right, you can do creative alchemy and not say a thing yeah. to the facilitator. You can do it all. You're on your own. Not, ha- I mean, women. I hate to overgeneralize, but women do typically want to have a conversation with the facilitator when they're doing creative alchemy. I speak for myself, and I also speak for the clients that I work with that are women. Who are women? They they want to talk about what's coming up. They want to express verbally. What's coming up for them on the page? And sometimes it requires a bit of a redirect because you really want that energy to go on to the page. You really want them to express that in the paint. Men, on the other hand, they don't typically want to talk about it, they want to write about it, um, which is great because that's part of the creative for me process is recording it in words, either on the, the canvas or in a journal. And um, men are really good about just really. making it, just really owning it as their own private, their own private process. And, uh, you know, women that do that in side-by-side with men, that do the creative alchemy process side-by-side with men, kind of see men doing that sometimes and just making it a really private thing. And then they, they are better than about recording what's going on with them in a journal or something they can take away. And then men are better about talking when they do creative alchemy side-by-side with women. They, they are better about saying what's coming up and, and verbalizing that. So, um, it's really something um, great about that process is that you don't necessarily have to share anything. And I think that's what men like about it mm. in general, but I'm um, going back to what you were talking about. about um, the whole idea of not really blaming yourself for anything that somebody especially a partner does to you but definitely taking responsibility for the result Mm -hmm. has been an enormous shift for me and um, I've been the victim of as you know sexual assault I've also been the victim of um, of adultery I was married years ago to someone else besides the man I'm married to now and he was a relentless cheater. Um, I forgave him constantly. I always thought he might change, that this was just a part of growing older, the product of being so young. And then as I got older with him, as I grew into my mid-twenties with him, um, <laughs> I started to think it was because I was getting more responsible with my life and my career that I was boring him because I wasn't about staying out late and going to parties and concerts all the time anymore that that I wasn't giving him something that he got out of me when I was basically um, you know a young adult like an 18 19 year old when we met Mm. in a so um, I blamed myself I blamed I thought I was ugly I thought I was unattractive I thought I was boring I thought I started dressing different and I thought oh well you know I guess I have to dress you know, like a cute teenage girl for men to love me. Um, and, I, and I started just really seeing a big difference um, when I started to just take responsibility for my choices, not their choices, but my choices. And I started to see that a lot of those were really excellent choices, like taking responsibility for myself and putting focus on my career, going to bed at 10 o'clock instead of going to concert. Dressing in a way that, you know, um, more befitted my career and my ambitions. And it was all good decisions that I was making that I was actually blaming my lack of a love life on.
2: Mm. (laughs) Mm. You know,
1: and and I was doing myself a disservice. I don't have to dress like a teenager to get somebody to love me. I can dress in a power (laughs) suit. And I can still get a, a man to love me. I can still, you know, find somebody that radiates at that same vibration that I do. So um, that's a powerful shift. It's just that whole taking responsibility. It's. I think when I say that whole thing about take responsibility for this relationship, people tend to think, "Oh, that's victim blaming," because you're saying that they're responsible for what happened to them. No, I'm not saying take responsibility for their choices. I'm saying take responsibility for your choices right. you might find you actually made the right choices you might actually want to give yourself more credit if you really take responsibility for
0: those right and you know taking responsibility helps you see how you've been perpetuating the relationship how you've been causing that or what you haven't been doing or what you've been doing it's just you know it allows you to see it's what you
1: need to route for sure I mean right can see, okay, if I, like for instance, the whole idea of me staying staying out late to be more exciting to my partner versus being in bed by 10 to be able to be at work by 8 the next morning. You can see your escape route that way because Mm. you can start really taking that inventory and saying, you know, um, I'm going to make more choices that are about me and my needs and my well-being and my career and my life and I'm going to see how that plays out in the relationship. And it may mean that the relationship comes to an end. It mm-hmm. may mean that better boundaries get put in place that don't allow me to be in a situation where I can be abused anymore, but it's right. an experiment. It's always going to be an experiment. You can't really ever affect the actions and behaviors of another person, especially somebody who you're intimate with because they have so much access to you. Right. But you can change your own life and your own behaviors and you can find an escape route. You can establish better boundaries and it will at least show you the way to a better life. And, and that's so hard for people because it involves being what I like to call sacredly selfish or mm. sacred mm-hmm. selfishness. Selfishness is so difficult in our society to grasp onto. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see more people be more sacredly selfish. With their lives,
0: I think it will benefit everybody.
1: Yes. If we all just allow ourselves
0: to be sacredly selfish. Wow, thank you for that. All, all of that. Um, how do you get out of your own way as a coach?
1: <laughs> I just shut up and listen. I mean, really, that's, that's the that's really the hardest thing for me. I love to talk. You know? So. <laughs> I have to consciously tell myself over and over again with a client shut up and listen April they have something to say April. It's not a pedestal April. it's definitely a conversation April. So I do have to kind of quiet and be a better listeners sometimes. Um, my clients love my style they, they resonate with me and, and sometimes they they like that I'm the one who likes to talk and they like to. <laughs> The one who listens, but I still want to hear more from them than I, than I, than I want them to hear from me. It this is about their expression, not
0: mine. Mm. And what is the, the biggest lesson you've learned about love in your current relationship? Patience. Mm.
1: Definitely patience. I mean, our relationship took off fast, like a rocket. We definitely felt that instant connection and. And we definitely started seeing ourselves as a partnership early in the relationship, but that doesn't mean it didn't require my patience because um, on the day-to-day, minute by minute, moment by moment, it—you know—we have temp- we both have tempers. They flare up, especially when we're frustrated when things aren't going our way. So it's really important for us to remain patient with one another and and just put our frustrations aside. And, Maintain a sense of peace and calm. That's, that's what I'm learning. I'm getting better about it all the time. Yeah. Um, tempers flare up so much less frequently than they used to. So much less. But only because we've tried. Only because we've worked on it. If we just let ourselves be the way we are, um, then and didn't change, didn't grow, didn't evolve, and we would still be screaming at each other all the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, here's what I hear in that too. It's like, one, you're self-aware and you know the ups and downsides of that by reacting, you know? And Mm -hmm. two, you know, it's the willingness (laughs) to not engage because the minute you engage, um, and not saying like, this is just the way I am because a lot of people walk around and say that like, to dominate people and, like, say, oh, this is just the way I am. It's like, no, this is what Uh you're choosing to be. And so, and and going back to what you just said, like, you're choosing him for who he is and you're choosing yourself for who he is, for the way you are and the way you are not. So it sounds like Mm you both are very Mm -hmm. self-aware that if we go down this road, when we get frustrated, we know (laughs) the result of that, you know?
1: Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. I I would say you've got it head on there. We, we're very <laughs> self-aware people. Yeah. We both it's like... are very big fans of, of self, self-help, self self-direction. Yeah. We both are practitioners of our own spiritual practices, very different spiritual practices, but uh, still just the fact that we both have a spiritual practice that's unique to us and very personal to us. Um it made him very attractive to me. It also um, made me very attractive to him. And it's allowed both of us to grow together. It's been a yeah. totally well. fantastic journey.
0: So, and what does a juicy love life means to you? Or looks like to you?
1: I'm sorry, can you repeat that?
0: Sure. What does a juicy love life look like to you?
1: Oh. <laughs> I think a lot of... Um, a lot of communication, a lot of dreams coming true working together on something and seeing results and sharing in those successes and the, and the fruits of your labor together um, and of course sex <laughs> I mean we can't say we can't say enough about that I mean really a good healthy, Sex life where both partners feel satisfied and um, mm. and definitely feel seen and and loved and appreciated. Um, there's nothing better.
0: <laughs> yeah, and like going back to what you do, like in feeling safe to express that sexually with each other.
1: Oh yes, there's so much that can be expressed creatively in the sexual process. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so where can people find you online?
1: um That's pretty easy. Uh, my website is alkm.me. That's actually my initials: A, April, Leanne, L, Klingmeyer, my last name, alkm.me. And if you look at it, it looks like the word alchemy so that's mm. kind of interesting I
0: know I can also
1: be yeah Stephanie, <laughs> um, you can also find me on um, Facebook and Instagram both at April Klingmeyer and that's A-P-R-I-L K-L-I-N-G-M-E-Y-E-R um, coming soon to the website browser near you I'm going to be establishing uh, the Creativity is Spirituality brand. Um, That's going to be a little bit more broader in scope than my um, coaching and uh, facilitating um, practice. It's going to be, um, it's going to involve me going and getting a PhD in divinity, whole other story. (laughs) Mm. But um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be more of a blog and vlog about my own process Um, to making uh, creativity an established and legitimate form of divine connection. So um, stay tuned for that. That's what's next for me.
0: Wow. That's huge. Wow. Thank you. Mm. All right, April. Thank you so much for being here. And, um, you know, I just like really want to acknowledge you just for... Providing a space for people to just <laughs> let it all out creatively and yeah. just really causing a shift in themselves to, and, yeah. and, and making art out of it, you know, whether an ugly art also be, can be viewed <laughs> as beautiful arts, you know, it's like that saying, like, mm-hmm. somebody's trash is somebody else's treasure, you know, and... Um, just let's just thank you for just being in the world and creating what you're creating and giving people space to just be free
1: oh likewise ever since jenny introduced us on instagram i've been really enjoying what you have to say about love on a day-to-day basis and how it really has so much to do with how we relate to people in general and Mm -hmm. the way that we love and want to be loved i'm I share your message with people all the time, almost every day. I'm telling something, somebody something that Jimmy said. So I'm just <laughs>
0: really glad we've met. Oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> Big fan.
0: Hey guys, are you ready to call in your one? Are you ready to become wildly magnetic to the partner that you deserve and start creating that crazy, juicy love? Well. I am offering a discount package when you listen to this podcast. So when you listen to this podcast, you follow me on Instagram. You DM me and said you listen to this podcast, and I will offer you a discount on a seven-week session. Crazy Juicy Love. Hey, guys. So don't forget to subscribe on Instagram at Jimmy Allen and Twitter, simply Jimmy. And don't forget to rate, rate, subscribe comment and share this podcast if you enjoyed it thank you guys for joining me this is jimmy allen with crazy juicy love